The Canes rolled over Ottawa last night. That's good, okay? Let, let, let's start from the, the very, very beginning. It is better to win a game than to lose a game. <laughs> Crazy, right? That's the kind that's the kind of hard-hitting analysis you come to the drive for. Right? Being in control of the game for most <laughs> of the game and winning, positive. Yes. Good feeling. Sebastian Ajo, Seth Jarvis playing really well last night. Good. Positive. Moving in the right direction. The question is, right, and this is where it gets more complicated, is what what is the reaction like what is that a reaction to? Why did those two guys step up? Is that a reaction to Rod Brindamore? calling out the top guys multiple times and then responding appropriately by saying, oh, I think he might be talking about us. Let's make sure we lock in and focus. Let's make sure we play a great game. Let's let's do it. Or, right, and there's always you know, two sides to every coin, sometimes ten sides. Or is it a reaction to playing Ottawa, who's the fourth worst team in the NHL this year? Right, because that, that's, that's all relative also. Get right, game. Get right, it, did they get right? We will only know with time. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing a happy dance based on a great performance from the top guys in one game against a bad team. It, again, like I said, it is better than having a bad performance against <laughs> a bad team. I'm, I, I want to be clear here that I'm I'm completely understanding that you celebrate every win, and, and you should. But they were far down. They were so far down that they were more than just a good game away from getting back on track, right? They've showed enough flaws that it's not like, okay, one good win, and they're back. I said this yesterday ahead of the game, by the way, so this is not any 2020 hindsight or me trying to be a Debbie Downer, but, you know, looking on uh, at how things happened, you know, and, and wanting to be a hot take or anything like that. I said yesterday before the game, independent of the game played last night in Ottawa, they have some tough decisions to make because their season does not go the way they wanted it to. They were past the point of one big win, getting them back on track. There were some big wins this year where I did think like, oh, look at that. They're back on track. There were. There were some good games that I went, okay, there they are. Now I expect them to play better. And they left me out to dry on all of those. Right? I'd go, all right, they're back. Then they'd go on a you know, a streak of losing four out of five. So I'm not going to look at this win and fall for it again. I need two or three weeks of playing well in an overwhelming majority of the games. Not every game, because that's un unrealistic, but most games. I also want to see them have an off night and fix it quickly. Because hmm. one of the things I've seen from them this season, seen from the Canes this season, is... When things just get, you know, a little off rhythm, a little off kilter, whatever you want to call it, it's usually like, all right, we're fine. Then it's like two of them in a row, three of them in a row, you know, four out of five, whatever it ends up being. And then they can kick it back into gear and go on a little little streak. I, I wish they didn't need to kick it. They didn't need four bad games to kick it into gear. They could only use one. There, there's a lot to look at when you look at this game. Kochekov played well. At times he was he was a bit of a menace between the pipes, right? Uh, the 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 poke check, which which is going to be on all the highlight reels. He he made some very very good plays. Made some great saves yesterday. Goalie's about consistency to me, right? 
You can't be really, really good some of the time and then, man, the rest of the time. You can't even be really, really good half the time and be, man, the rest of the time. You need to be solid. You need to be, be sound. And you need to make some difficult saves just about every time you go out there. So, like, I guess my point is last night was, was fun. They made it. They, I know it wasn't. They made it look easy, right? And that's sometimes the good teams do that. Right, it's smooth. Your your best players are playing well. Your goalies saving you when 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 things get a little little sideways. All of that is is great. It's step one towards earning my trust back. It's step one towards raising your ceiling and your potential back up to where it was. Towards raising your your expectations back up to where they were. It's probably more of a four or five game uh, task, right? If you play good quality hockey for four or five games, we can start talking about going, oh, geez, remember when they were 14 and 12? <laughs> remember that 14? bad stretch? Remember, remember that stretch where they, they went four straight games up there in Canada and lost a game every different way you possibly could? Right? They lost a game, you know, giving up two goals. They lost a game, giving up five in the first 20 seconds, it felt. Uh, they lost a game 4-3. They lost a game. They lost every different kind. They lost a game with decent goalie play, bad goalie play. They lost a game when they, when their studs played well, when their studs didn't play. They lost every kind of game. Remember that? Good thing they've figured it out and run off four or five straight wins or you know six or seven wins, whatever it ends up being. That's what I'm looking for. I'm not, I'm not, I'm definitely not on the, well, water under the bridge. They beat Ottawa. <laughs> right. Get, get right game. I'm not even calling it a get right game, right? There's, there are things like, such as get right games. We talk about them all the time. Uh, in the NFL, everybody that plays the Panthers, yep. there's your get right there's game. Right game. But like if, if I'm trying to, uh, the Patriots, if the Patriots played the Panthers in one, I'm not going like, Hey, they got right. I'm just going like, <laughs> that's nothing. That's a team that's not playing well up against another team that's not playing well. Like, up until last night, the Canes were not playing well for the previous handful of games. No, they're not the Patriots, and I'm not saying they are. Uh, but but up until last night, they've gone a handful of games without playing well. They're playing up against another team that's not playing well. The only way to know if the get-right game got them right is to see them do it again and again and again. So I guess that's what I'm looking at. Canes, great job. You got the win. Like I said, win is a win. I'm playing. I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here a little bit. Well, you talked about the consistency. You know, there yes. might be games where you play really, really well, and you, you might hit a post a couple mm -hmm. times, and there's like a fluky bounce or something like that. You might lose 3-2 in overtime. Okay, but at least you're playing consistent on a night-in and night-out basis. And that's what we hadn't seen the last four games. Like, Ajo and Jarvis didn't even register a point the mm -hmm. last four games. So, yeah, those guys needed – for them, it may have been a get-right game mm -hmm. for those guys individually. But for the team – all right, let's do it tomorrow against Detroit. Then when you're back here on Friday against Nashville, do it again. And and um, I will say this, and, and I don't know why Scherzer, another cross-sport analogy, Scherzer is kind of the guy for me because of his intensity, but there's a bunch in history that you could say this about. The thing I love about Max Scherzer, and I'm not a particular fan of his, but the thing I respect about him as a pitcher is he can go out there with like his C-plus stuff, and he's going to give you seven innings of two-run ball just off of – of like pure grit and will, like even though he didn't have his good stuff. And the Canes have been like that over the past couple of years where it's like they show up and they're like, geez, they really don't have their 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 good stuff today. And then they win like 3-2. And it's like, how did that – what? Okay. Yeah. Like that's part of their, their element. I want to see them do that a few times too where, yeah, you don't have a good day. But 
you refuse to let that stop you. I want to see that a few times. Thank you for listening to the Best of the Drive podcast. I'm Tim Donnelly here with Coach Pete of Capital Financial Advisory Group. Coach, is it still true that a million is enough to retire on? Tim, maybe and maybe not. The most important thing is to get a real plan that gives you income you never outlive. We'll give that away to the next 10 people. Call right now. The number to call, 800-691-3215. Text TIM to 600-700 if you're interested in texting. Once again, that phone number is 800-691-3215 or text TIM to 600-700 for that deal. I'll tell you what, the transfer portal can't get more complicated and then it gets more complicated and then it gets more complicated and then it gets more complicated. Uh, Every day, players going in and out and now... We don't even know how the future of the NCAA's transfer waiver rule is going to pan out. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline, Brian Murphy, WRAL Sports investigative reporter. Uh, Brian, thank you for for taking time out of what I'm sure you are are poking around on on more details on this story to to join us. Um, A temporary restraining order against the NCAA's transfer waiver rules what does that mean? We'll start at the we'll start at the very very, very bottom of this one. Yeah, the, the most basic thing is that this two-time transfer rule, this is the rule that got Tess Walker all caught up, uh, is gone away, at least <laughs> for the next 14 days it's gone away. And that has ramifications for some local teams. Uh, both NC State and ECU have basketball players that have been waiting for, for waivers, uh, uncertain if those guys will play in the next 14 days. But at least according to this judge in, in West Virginia, and this is the lawsuit that Josh Stein, the North Carolina AG, signed on to, um, they will be able to play. And the NCAA has put out a statement saying they will not enforce the year in residency rule for transfers. Unclear if that means just for the next 14 days or if that means for the rest of the year if or if it means for some time longer than that. So so you brought up jo- Josh Stein signing on to it. Like, who asked for this to happen? How, how you know, the, the judge ruling a temporary restraining order, they, I'm sure they didn't just bring that up out of, you know, thin air. Who asked for it? Yeah, so the attorney generals or the attorneys general in in six <laughs> states, in seven states, um, Ohio, West Virginia, Colorado, and North Carolina, uh, and there's a couple other ones as well, I think New York, um, filed a lawsuit last week. So it got a hearing very quickly. And they basically said that the, the two-time transfer rule, the one that requires you to sit out or to obtain a waiver, it, it violates antitrust law here in the United States. And the judge had a hearing this morning. I listened to most of it came back about 45 minutes later and issued this ruling and, and said, for the next 14 days, the NCAA cannot enforce this rule. The NCAA can't punish players who play in the next 14 days, and that we'll have a larger hearing in 14 days on December 27th. Um, and so that, that's, how this, that's how this all came down. Uh, and, and if you read his ruling, it seems to be pretty clear that, that he's not going to – He's not. He's going to rule against the NCAA time and time again until this case <laughs> is finished. Uh, if you read the rule, he basically says this is the same as Alston, uh, just dealing with a different matter. Um, and, and as we all know, the Alston case, they, they lost, the NCAA lost nine zero at the Supreme Court. Brian Murphy, WRL Sports Investigative Reporter, connecting you with us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. So, so is that what's on the line? Fourteen days from now, is there a world where the NCAA cannot bar? NCAA athletes, college athletes, from transferring as many times as they want, wherever they want, kind of willy-nilly? Yeah, so I just got some clarification from the NCAA, and they said that they're, they're, they are not going to enforce the rule for the next 14 days. So for the next 14 days, if you're one of these two-time transfers and you want to play and you play, the NCAA is not going to come back and, and punish you or punish the school if they eventually win this case. To your point, in 14 days, December 27th, this hearing is going to be held again. 
Um, they'll argue the merits of the larger case. Um, but if you, again, if you read the, the temporary restraining order, I mean, the judge seems to make it clear that um, the NCAA cannot have these rules. They, they simply uh, violate restraint of trade and, and other things. And so I, I don't know the way out for the NCAA. I mean, they just can't keep losing in court all the time. Uh, <laughs> it expensive. seems to me, yeah, it seems to me the way out of this is collective bargaining. The, the NFL has rules. Major League Baseball has rules. The NBA has rules. And those rules don't get challenged in court um, over and over and over again by the players because the Players Association has agreed to all of these rules um, through collective bargaining. It seems to me that the, the only way to stop all these lawsuits is, is some form of collective bargaining. So, I mean, as soon as I hear collective bargaining, CBA, you, you, your mind jumps right to, to unions. Does that mean we, we should be seeing a college athletes union being formed sometime soon? You know, I, I'm not a labor lawyer, although I probably <laughs> should have been one to cover college athletics. I, my understanding, and, and this is just from reading, is that you don't have to have a union to, have, to collectively bargain. Well, who are um, you collectively bargaining with? Well, right. That's that becomes the question. <laughs> oh, that, I guess you don't have to recognize them as employees to collectively bargain. Okay. They could have some sort of union, but they wouldn't be they wouldn't be considered employees. I mean, this you know you're going to get into tons of labor law here. I would imagine um, but, the first thing the collective bargaining, like whoever you're bargaining, the first thing the union's going to ask for is we want to be employees, and then you're like, well, right. that's the sticking point. <laughs> it's like we'll, we'll we'll negotiate with you. Perfect. I know what's going on the table first. Right. I mean, and I think that's why Charlie Baker, the NCAA president, proposed that rule, uh, you know, I think it was last week that would create this sort of super division where players would get money from a trust, but they still wouldn't be employees. Um, basically, all this is is the NCAA trying to head off these these lawsuits. I mean, there's there's this lawsuit that, that Josh Stein's involved in. There's another one with Duke's mm -hmm. uh, Dwayne Carter um, that basically says you got to throw out all the rules about compensation. And, and these lawsuits are just going to continue to get filed. I don't know. I mean, the NCAA's case seems decent to me, right? Like, we're a member organization. All the members got together. We voted 32 to nothing or 33 to nothing for this rule. We put this rule in place. Everyone agreed. And now we're getting sued over it. Um, and they lost. And, and they lost pretty badly if you read the ruling. Brian Murphy, WRAL Sports Investigative Reporter. Follow him on Twitter at Murph's Turf. Um, I want to talk about the, the, the risk here, right? Because you, you say for the next 14 days – the, the waivers, the, the transfer rules kind of won't be enforced, at least the, the two-time transfer rules. If, if you know, I think one example a lot of people around here are, are paying attention to is Cam Woods at NC State. If, right. if he plays for the next 14 days, and then even as unlikely as you say it, it seems, if the NCAA wins the next hearing and he's not eligible, did he just burn a year of eligibility? Or is it like, is this the wild, wild west for 14 days? Anything you do... The purge, I guess, would be a better example where it's like anything you do in the next 14 days, you will never be charged with. Well, I mean, you could still lose a year of eligibility. I mean, that, that would be red shirt rules and, and number of games played and stuff. What, what I was getting at is the NCAA is saying we're not going to enforce that rule. So if you play, you know, we can use the Tez Walker case mm -hmm. or, or the, you know, if you play and then we end up winning this lawsuit that says you are not eligible, um, we will not penalize you for having played in that 14 day okay. period where you were eligible. So they are saying that they're waiving that rule for the next 14 days until the next hearing. Um, but if they eventually win this case, as unlikely as that might be, 
you won't be punished for what you did during that 14 day period. Now, all other rules apply. It's not quite the purge. Uh, you know, <laughs> you, if you, uh, you know, if you exceed your exceed the number of games you're allowed to play before you redshirt or things like that. I mean, those all those rules still apply. I think what the NCAA is saying is we won't come back after you um, for saying they have a crazy rule. I mean, this is a crazy rule that the NCAA has. It says if if the courts put in a temporary restraining order or some sort of injunction and ban this rule and you play, we can and then we eventually win the case. We can come back after you and vacate wins mm-hmm. or take away, you know, take away money, postseason money. And basically, the judge was like, "That rule is ridiculous. We can't, we can't have that rule." <laughs> and the NCAA has, has, in some ways, agreed and said, "Okay, for the next while, this temporary restraining order is in place, we will not, you know, we'll will not hold that against you in the way that we could have in the past." But but I guess what I want, what I want to clarify is it, the two week window is not be cannot be used almost as uh, a window to get somewhere else, and then you're like. We'll, we'll use we'll use Tez Walker as the example, right? Because Tez Walker, he said he's going pro, but let's pretend with this two week thing, he's like, actually, I want to transfer to USC. Now I know I've already transferred, a very well documented a bunch of times, but if I go to USC in this two week period, by the time the two week period is up, even if the NC the NCAA wins, I'm already at USC and I I use the window to jump there, like I'm good. Yeah, that's a great question, and I don't I don't know the exact answer to that. Okay. I what I, I would imagine what the NCAA is talking about are, are players who are in season right mm-hmm. now being able to play, uh, and not I do not think they want to open Pandora's box of saying, "Hey, you know all like these football every, players, yeah, who, everyone that's who are in the transfer once. window, like you can jump back in the transfer portal." Um, I I can certainly seek some clarification on that from the NCAA, but uh, then you're going to end up in the same Tez Walker situation that we were before where, Hey, I transferred before this rule was actually put in place. And and so if I was uh, an agent or a parent of a division one football player, I, who had already transferred, I would say, Hey, do not use this 14 day window to transfer again. Just, just wait 14 days. And it sounds like, it sounds like maybe the, uh, the NCAA is prepared to, to not win that one. Uh, right, you could transfer again. At, you know, there'll be another transfer window at the end of spring ball. The, the transfer windows are a whole other thing. I, I just, it, eventually, I, I assume all of these rules are going to be challenged, right? There's going to be some lawsuit saying you can't have transfer windows, and then it's, you're going to be transferring everywhere, right? Yeah, I mean, that's what the NCAA says. Hey, we've got to be able to have some rules because, you know, you could transfer midseason and be playing for someone else, you know, at the end of the season. Then, then you really are pro pro sports. Um, I Again, if you brought everyone to a table and collectively bargained some of this stuff, you might be able to say, okay, well, you can only transfer at these times. But, yeah, I mean, every, every rule the NCAA passes from here on out, I, I would expect, they expect, it's going to be challenged in court. It's a good, good time to be a lawyer. Billable uh, hours for the win. <laughs> there we go. Brian, we appreciate you for stopping by, and uh, we'll keep paying attention at WRLSportsFan.com. All right. Thanks, Tim.